Welcome to The Deep Calm. You are listening to Dr. Ryan Daniel and author of Daughter Talk, Adam Jacobs. We are two dudes sharing our nuts and bolts approach to self-mastery, inner peace, psychology. So join us as we dive into The Deep Calm. Hello, folks, and welcome to, well, what is the first episode of a very special, special Deep Calm. Which uh, which features two co-hosts, or is that it? Or two hosts, and they're the co-hosts of each other. Is that what I should be saying, Doctor Dan? Doctor Dan, folks. My name's my oh, name's goodness. Adam Jacobs. And Daniel. Yeah, we call him Doctor Dan. Doctor Dan, because well, he's gone to the trouble to get a PhD. You can't you can't just do all that work and then not be not not be uh, rewarded with the with the necessary um, accolades. So. Dr. Dan and Adam Jacobs. Adam Jacobs, he wrote a book and then he goes to pubs and tells jokes. Uh, Wow. As we all wish we could do. Indeed. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. That's that's nice. It's a marvellous achievement. And, of course, as the podcast suggests, Deep Calm, we're going to – the name, I should say, Deep Calm, we're going to be trying to encourage – many people into the deepness of the calmness. Am I right, Dr. Dan? Absolutely. I totally agree. So that means, uh, yes, a bit of talk about psychology, uh, maybe a little bit of talk about spirit, a little bit of talk about belief, but we're not uh, too interested in gods and deities and demigods and uh, uh, prophets and all that sort of bizarre. It's it's a different kind of spirit that we're talking about potentially. Dr. Dan, does that sound reasonable? Absolutely. It's about just real life and what you live every day and the spirit, That's... how the spirit involves and, you know, within your life. Exactly. So we're talking about the extraordinary in the ordinary, which is, I have to say, a perfect way to describe my entire existence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Don't be like that, Adam. <laughs> Uh, so where do we start? We start with story, I think, don't we? I think so, because in the story you get to the depth of uh, any kind of experience. It starts off as people thinking of, you know, it's just, it's just a story, it means nothing, but then the deeper they go into it, there's a, there's a lot of meaning. There is, and it's a good way to, to look at your life too in many ways. We, we do feel, I think, instinctively that we have a good sense of story. Uh, every day has a beginning, middle and end. That's a good place to start mm-hmm. yep. i think we can also get a sense that we are kind of walking around in a narrative that has other characters in it we must interact with or we choose to interact with uh, depending and this is very story-like too i would suggest yeah, absolutely. And when you look at life, you know, life is actually a journey and you, you can break it down into chapters, basically. It's very easy to do that. But when you get older in life and you look at specific events and people say, well, how did you do that or how did you get there? It's very easy to connect all the dots that take you way, 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 way back to as early as you can remember. So in, in a sense, they're basically life is a series of experiences or chapters that make up the, the story, the book. That's exactly right. And what's what I like about approaching issues 
we'll say issues. When we say issues, we're talking about the things that are getting in, in the way of someone experiencing an inner peace of sorts. I think that's fair enough because, I mean, I know that we use that word issue in that way anyway, but often as a blanket term to sort of, uh, you know, explain lots of different things. Um, I want to still sort of do that, but when we say issue, it's it's not necessarily in a flippant way. So we when we start looking at life as a as a story and there are issues arising we can then look at the nature of the story and not necessarily focus on the character in the story and because we are the character in our own story it always seems as if the focus should be turned inwards onto into us as as being sort of at it, wrong in some way and that is how the story is, is is changed and that may or may not be true but in the first instance we can imagine that the story exists and we are characters within it from that point of view we can then look at how change is operated did that make any sense any of that uh, it did to me Yep. Oh, that's oh. <laughs> that's important. Well, if Doctor Dan gives me the gives me a A plus on my <laughs> on my yammerings, then uh, I'll continue to yammer. But so, let's let's uh, point point being, of course, that uh, there are things happening in our story that don't appear to be things that we have written or that we mm. are wanting to be in the story. How is it that these things arise, Dr. Dan? Mm. And there are also things that we can't edit out. Yeah. Happened. That's you can't a... get the eraser and or the rubber, as you call it in Australia, and rub it out. No, it you can't. That's a great, another great point. So how is it that we live with a story that is possibly marred by um, things that, you know, we we wish didn't happen. I suppose we are talking about regret, aren't we? Mm, that dirty word, that dirty word. Why do we regret things anyway? I mean, what is regret? Because something didn't work out exactly the way we wanted it to. But when you think about it, like the amount of factors that occur to, to, uh, simultaneously to make an event happen, we can't really change that. You can't, you know, things are going to happen because of so many different events happening simultaneously all around you, all around the world, the universe even. It's true. The, the allocation of blame sometimes can appear to be a fairly uh, easy question to answer, and you may or may not be the answer to that question. However, it is usually always the case that there are confounding elements. There are other, there are other factors influencing the story, and they, these factors are sometimes uh, unknown, sometimes unseen sometimes are only very subtle and uh, appear to be easily dismissed. But nothing uh, in in any given instant within your story, everything (laughs) is necessary. Everything has to be exactly as it is. Even if you're going off the handle at your little toddler because she's just built some paint on the carpet, (laughs) 
everything that's happening in that in that moment as you're flipping out is a kind of necessary thing. I know that sounds strange, but it's uh, it's a consequence of so many variables, as 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 uh, Ryan just mentioned, that it has to it has to have an inevitability component to it. So I think you know, in many ways, uh, we can discuss you know how people are too harsh on themselves. Mm. Absolutely. And where does that harshness come from? Why do we do that? Why why can some people not be harsh, can just take it, and other people be very harsh and judgmental on themselves, unfortunately? Indeed. And I think the – yes. I was going to say, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, there's the saying that you come into, into life on your own and you go out alone, and you very much so live it. Like all the people that we run into and interact with are temporary. So there's very much living on our own and walking this journey alone is part of the process. And when you do that, you're your own best friend. So why be that voice of judgment and disdain? Why, why not always just motivate and talk kindly and gently and lovingly to yourself? Why not be your own best friend and focus on that? Why do we have, always have to look externally for best friends when we treat ourselves so poorly? That was beautifully put. I was. I even had a, some sort of soundtrack going on in the back of my mind as you were saying that, Doctor <laughs> Doctor Dan. No, that was beautifully put because, and this now we get down to the brass tacks of some certain certain things. Because you are and always will be the most interesting person you will ever know. That is the truth, and there is nothing that an Instagram following or uh, watching famous people on TV or uh, imagining 1,000, 1,500 friends on Facebook. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Or having a a squillion dollars or whatever. Nothing or or your neighbor having a squillion dollars and you not having a squillion dollars. Mm -hmm. Nothing is going to change the fundamental reality that you will always be the most interesting person you ever, ever know. And the reason why that is because it's really the only person you ever know. True. Profound, Adam Jacobs, profound. Exactly. So you have this opportunity with yourself to be loving because we have a sense of self. It's, as if we can say, well, there's a part, there's a sort of mirror of me, some sort of protrusion from an essential me somehow that I call self, that I can, I can direct love to, I can direct anger to. And we all have an instinctual sense of this. How common, how often is it? And I'm, this may sound rhetorical, but I'd love you to say something, Dr. Dean. How, how <laughs> I'm too often, busy listening. How often is it that we say, I am not happy with myself? How often do we say, it, Dr. Dean? Yeah. Well, you couldn't even count because you do it automatically. Indeed. You don't even think it. It's like when you, when you go and judge somebody else, an external person, there's more of a thought process to it. There's a, there's a whole judgmental 
system that works within us based on our own background, our own experiences. But when we do it to ourselves, it's, it's an automatic process. We don't even think about it. We don't, you know, we just do it. We hurt ourselves. We hit ourselves. We do, which is a strange thing because when I look at that phrase and instinctively we refer to self as this other thing, almost as if there's sort of two versions of us. And we say it all the time because, like, uh, you know, if there was no such thing as I, because that's the interesting thing about that sentence, I am not happy with my self. So the I own something. Uh, the my is the I as well. The possession, possession and all that is the self. So something owns the self and that something is not happy with the self. I mean, it is true. What is going on with that sentence? Ah, that and you know, in some in in some languages, in some cultures, they don't even have the word "I." There's no such thing. Let me just let me just have a go with that now. How about that, Mm. Doctor? Do it. Uh, Self, uh, excuse me, dear. I've just looked in the in the fridge. Uh, Self is going to go down and get some milk. And then self will be back soon. Like you can't substitute I and self. It just, it sounds very wrong to the ear. It also sounds very wrong to our core, I think, Mm. because we do say I am going to go and be, do something, or I am going to be happier with myself or I, what is the I? Mm. And then what is the self? This is where this fundamental awareness you know in terms of the the fact that these these things appear to be separate is at the center of a lot of angst a lot of pain that people feel because they don't really take the time and uh, and it's and our model especially in western society we're not inclined to we're not even aware of it we're not even aware that their time can be given to it. We might call it meditation. We might call it uh, awakening. We might call it lots of things, you know. But we don't ever say to ourselves, well, what is the I? I've got a good sense of the self. Self is a thing that makes people laugh and I show it off when I go out socially and I do stuff. I've got a good sense of that. But what is the I that is happy or unhappy or otherwise with this, this, with this self. The more that we get a sense of this I, the more that we can start to observe self and not be so harsh when it comes to judging it. Mm, well put. But I have a question for you. Oh, okay. Concerning I and self and the refrigerator, could you therefore say, thyself will venture forth to the box of cold for some liquid of the cow? <laughs> Again, <laughs> thy, thy, thyself, thyself, <laughs> my, my self shall forth venture into the. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. I mean, it would be interesting, actually. That sounds like a thesis in that, doesn't it? Probably. That uh, we look at the the evolution of of the the first person pronoun type things, and then this this word myself. Myself is a phrase essentially. 
that is that in itself is confounding that that phrase because it's like myself oh well my uh, is possessive of the self uh, what are you referring to exactly yeah my yep, exactly who, what what is the my is it mm-hmm. thy <laughs> so I, the interesting thing too is that you know it's all wrapped up in language and how languaging is, is languages are created and as I said before a lot of cultures don't even have the word I there's there's no singular there's no singular pronoun like that but it's when we get caught up when we're raised with that I I I I it's very individual you know and these cultures that I'm talking about were very communal they were it takes a village that's what they how they lived and we don't do that anymore. You know, we're, we're, we're raised in very individualistic societies where it's all about, you know, if you look at it in Jungian terms, there's two selves. There's the uppercase S self, which is the spirit. And then there's the lowercase S self, which is more the ego, the, the, the one that experiences the world through our physical senses. So when looking at the self and saying I, because we use the word I and, we, and we're very individual, it's more like the ego self, the lowercase S. And that's where we get trapped, I believe. We, we break everything down to, I did this, I did that. But, you know, there's a very interesting thing about what I did, but how could I do something without the help and assistance of so many different things around me, people or events? And there's actually a very interesting speech that um, Arnold Schwarzenegger gives. And I think, I don't recall where it is exactly now, but I he was giving a, uh, given an honorary doctorate or something like that. And he talks about the whole idea of being self-made. And he says, he, you know, he talks about an experience that he had early in his career with the gold gym members where there was Thanksgiving and he had nothing. And they all came around and brought things for Thanksgiving and food and cooking utensils. But he talks about he could never be a self-made man because it were all, everything that he's made of himself, so to speak, was uh, involved with all these other people. Mm. So it's really, you know, we get caught up in our languaging really and I think it was Noam Chomsky that, that wrote a lot about languaging and, and semantics and things and, um, you know, the problems of it and how it starts to program. Because, you know, all our thinking is programming. It's all programming. It's all, you know, experiences that we've had. And when we stack them up and then we revert to them when we have a new experience and we basically project. So when we have this whole issue of languaging to begin with that we're raised with and that's what we're taught, it's, and it's all about I, I, I in that individualistic sense it's actually not healthy and that's where our problems begin and that's where the story begins. For so it's, many. A, it's interesting when you start looking at, well, okay, let's suggest an algorithm is slowly developing and it becomes this thing that operates in the world and we, we can refer to it as, as self uh, and we could refer to it as ego and there's been many other sort of ways of describing it. Uh, that instead of looking at the algorithm and how it's how it ends up being informed, like you said, it is programming. That's all it is that's happening. What if we look at the actual components of the algorithm and we say, well, what is it about the limitation of those components that means that we will end up, uh, you know, living in little boxes separate from each other in, in closed door sort of situations and, and that we do lose our sense of community. It seems to me that we do have certain tools that we must use in our algorithm. I is a good example and acknowledging some of the limitations around it 
or as you suggested with the Jungian references that, you know, lowercase s, lowercase, um, uppercase s, it's a similar sort of thing. Like I can be referred to as a self, essentially self, you're saying I, you mean self, or you can say I, and you mean some other sense of of who you are something some other essential version essential version of you that uh, may or may not be uh, definable by by an individual especially if they're inclined to say and you'll see it with people when you ask them they'll say things like oh, i'm not happy with myself and he goes well who's who's the i in that and then look mm. at you and say what what are you talking about <laughs> it's, it's me I'm, I'm the i yeah but mm. you me owns the self so what what are you saying in that sentence and they're going to go, oh, well, you don't, stop, stop freaking me out. It's like you've just, you know, uh, you've, you've stuffed a Rubik's Cube in their brain, mm. uh, which, which totally makes... About that, I was going to say, the interesting thing about that phrase is that it creates separation. I, like there's, there's one referring to the other. I'm not happy with myself. Yeah, there is. The, and that's the other, the, the, by extension, the extension of that is that there is no separation, but that's down the rabbit hole just a little bit further. There is no separation. That's where we've got to get around and come back to that idea that, oh, the I is all there is. That is all there is. The self is just uh, like you've just explained, Dr. Dan, that there's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the software in a way. Yeah. The, the programming is this, the self is like the software that makes the essential I or the being or whatever that you want, you are, be effective in, with other people in society, which is also what you've, what you've um, touched on, mm. that uh, it's with, it's necessary, self is necessary because of the social dependency. That's why yep. it's necessary. Otherwise, we could all go and be Zen monks and sit on a mountain and just hum to we, hum, hum quietly amongst ourselves. Hum in uh, harmony. You know, until the cows come home and never, never say boo to each other. Of course, procreation becomes a problem then, and then the species dies. But <laughs> so that's why we must have this thing called self. But it's not in control. That's the, the, I think that's where we're getting to with our story. Or it tries to control too. You could look at it either way. It tries it, to control, but it can't control. It, it's not effective. It's not an effective controller. No, it's not. That's the funny thing too, isn't it? You know, I'm not happy with myself. It's kind of like, mm. well, you know, it's get your baby. Yourself. <laughs> you get over yourself. There's so many, isn't there? But, yeah. but the self is your baby. You. Yeah. Okay. Through circumstances, some of those circumstances involve things that were out of your control or so they appear. You know, there's a lot of circumstantial data coming into craft self. There's no doubting it. And it could be there's many unfortunate situations in life that mean, you know, self is heavily informed by things that are regrettable. There's no denying it. But at the end of the day, self was created by you. You. Exactly. Own the little baby that is self. Love it. Be gentle. Be gentle. It may be a little bit weird. And <laughs> it's got some wrong ideas about things, but that can be addressed as soon as you start loving it. Mm. 
And when we say weird too, it's one thing we've got to keep in mind is that it's only weird because it's not part of our past programming. If you come from a culture where it's normal, then it's weird doesn't even come into factor. Well, you don't, you don't even, you don't have to talk, you know, talk me into that one, Dr. Dan, because I'm a Tasmanian, mate. (laughs) 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 I was born into weird, but. uh... (laughs) Well, that's perspective, isn't it? Whose perspective? (laughs) Exactly. Whose perspective? No, I think I was just going to say one thing that's important when we talk about, you know, there's a couple of things I just want to bring up here is that, you know, first of all, that there's this, idea of separation there is no actual separation but the idea comes from the ego or the self lowercase s creating this idea of being or this concept of being separate basically through day-to-day experiences and that but the other thing that's important you know they work in conjunction they work as one the self and the self uppercase lowercase and or they should um and we you know we've got to remember that the lowercase s or the ego self is not a bad thing a lot of people will think oh, you know oh, he's got a big ego she's got a big ego and it's a bad thing you've got to have an ego you know when you're driving down the road and the light turns red you're not going to say give me a minute to go internal to find out what the best thing to do here is to do right that's where this lowercase s self comes in or the frontal part and make a decision. I need to break and break quickly, break hard, or take a chance, go through, get into an accident, or get a huge you know, red light ticket, whatever like that. So it does have a mm. role. Oh, but- e- yeah, ego is ego is the, the. I think it's interesting what you're saying about self itemizing the world and chopping everything into little into little, uh, you know, uh, digestible chunks. Uh, including itself, it will make itself appear to be a, a separate sort of thing, you know, and that, and it's, it's, it, its purpose is to reach out and connect with others. And that's where ego comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ego is not the, not a thing that we feel is, is like self, like self, we can point to it to a certain extent. We can sort of go, well, that's, you know, that I made that person laugh. That's, the that's my personality which is like your short short version like a a profile a a snapshot of yourself really so what personality is that my personality my self display made that laugh happen so we can point to that and we kind of go oh that's the thing ego is not like that ego is better understood as the battery pack that powers all of that and ego has the purpose for building communities to strengthen those bonds you know, and, and make it, a, unfortunately, we're born with a me, 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 me focus for our ego. We then go to an us, 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 us focus, because we're talking about the immediate family and our little mini village around us. And then very few, well, not as much as it should, we then should be going to um, we, 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 all of us, we, all of us. But we don't. Some, many of us get stuck with this us close the doors in around, you know, let's build this, build the wall around our, our immediate village. And then we forget to go that next level, which is the we. And that's when ego really becomes this sort of network of energy that then brings everyone together. Uh, whilst it still has limitations on it, it just, it will have, the only thing it can do is just power self towards its objective and self can never be happy it won't be happy. It just It's just all want. That's really um, largely. It is working in sympathy with need, of course, 
but it's it what it wants is just to know that it's being it's making the being socially viable that's what it wants and fair enough too that's it's a noble pursuit it's a noble pursuit dr dan <laughs> very noble look it's interesting too what you were saying and explaining about going from me to us and then we should go to we but we don't and i think that you know the problem is when we contract when we stay with us is that we get into that mentality of us and if somebody doesn't fit into it we cut them out so the us cuts down more and more and more and what's actually happening it's just me making decisions around what i want so the the us actually gets narrowed down more and more and more it's just method of contracting further and further but if we have it focused if we go from us with the focus on going to we will be more accepting of people and differences because we allow them and we will allow them in to expand our we instead of breaking it down further you know you don't fit in so you're not part of us you know you're not one of us you know we've all heard that saying but you know the other way is to keep expanding and if you keep expanding your programming will keep expanding. You'll fall into that pattern of expanding, 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 accepting, accepting. How do I expand more? It becomes second nature. It becomes your, your, your way of doing things. You don't even think about it. And it's but, a lot easier than cutting it down and contracting. Because and, contracting and doing that, that um, involves judgment, assessing, cataloging, all that kind of stuff. But when we expand into the we, it's just acceptance. It's much easier. Mm. And the and the we expansion is what the universe, if you want to get a little bit mystical about it, is what the universe is doing. The universe is not thinking to itself, oh well, I, I don't want to, I don't want that that galaxy kind of explode just yet. You know, I, I like it just the way it is. So let's just leave it. Like it's not thinking. It's not a live thinking thing, is it? All it does is just expand in a dynamic way as much as it's able to. And that's what we should be doing as well. Mm. And actually, when you, when you say, when we talk about the universe and say it's not a live thinking thing, there is a lot of uh, talk now too, especially in, as it gets further into quantum physics and things like that, about the, the universe actually being, which is a whole different oh. discussion and goes a little too deep, but it's just something that uh, is very interesting and, you know, for people that want to go further and look into that further, it's, it's worth noting. It's this sort of, there's this aliveness to it. Now, it doesn't think, I, I would agree with Adam, you know what you're saying, where it doesn't think in a sense like we do with that, you know, self idea. It doesn't think like that. It's, it's kind of like nature. I mean, if you look at the earth and nature without humans, everything works in a cyclical fashion in perfect harmony. And, you know, the bugs get eaten by the birds, the bird get, it gets eaten by something else cyclical process that works and it's not thinking about it it's just this universal law that just somehow i mean i don't know how but it's worked it out it's 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 perfection mm. and maybe it's maybe it's perfection because it doesn't involve thinking because again when we bring in thinking as we know it it involves a lot of judging assessing and a hell of a lot of projecting because our thinking is based on our past experiences and we just project it on the current events Yes, and the past is limited. Uh, we can't Scary. go back. We can't go back and and add, add an extra expansion to the past, can we? No, yeah, it's gone. Not as far as we know. <laughs> no, indeed. <laughs> and I will tell you what, uh, you know, you almost started talking about entropy there for us. I thought you might you might start, but no, you didn't. But consciousness, consciousness in the 
uh, in the universe or consciousness, consciousness as the universe is a fantastic discussion for our next podcast. How's that sound? Perfect. I love it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, folks. We, do, do we, we spoke about some things, didn't we? I think we did, hopefully to provoke a bit of thinking, well, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended. Well, if you're after some modern spirituality where you don't have to look too far into any, um, any historical text, so to speak, then listen to us because we'll tell you, you know, hey, there's heaps of extraordinary in the ordinary. And let's not forget, you are the most interesting person you will ever know. Yes. Listen to us because we are more relevant than a 2,000-year-old text <laughs> written for those times. <laughs> uh, well, that's controversial. Let's finish on that point. Right, so, until next time. You have been listening to The Deep Calm with Dr. Ryan Daniel and Adam Jacobs, and we hope the calm was as deep for you as it was for us. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thank mm-hmm. you.